<laughs> we are back. This is episode one of the Snapback Chronicles. What the fuck Snapback is the Snapback Chronicles? Chronicles? Snapback Chronicles is going to be a episodic podcast with myself and my brother Jesse Heifetz right here. I'm coming to you from the West Coast on the beach. Jesse's coming to you from the I'm in the six. He's in the six at the warehouse. And we are going to talk about the history of Ephes and Frank in the snapback business, even pre Ephes and Frank, to be honest, because we didn't even name the company Ephes and Frank till 2007. And this goes well beyond that. For those of you that don't know, we are the co owners of Ephes and Frank uh, and founders. And we're brothers. And we're brothers, the Heifetz boys. And um, for many years, we were instrumental in getting that snapback game cooking hot. You know, people still tell us to this day that they looked at our website back in like 2009, 2010, when they were hitting the thrift to see what was popping. And we're going to tell you how that all came about. Yes, we are. Wait a minute. Hold up. Before we get into the episode, we can't forget the vintage news. And I have some big, big, big news for anyone living in Toronto. We are closing down our Queen Street location of Ephes and Frank. Not because we didn't do well there, not because of COVID, not because of the, any of the reasons that you probably are thinking. Basically, the, build, the building we were in got sold and we got offered a way out of our lease. And this is going to be a rough winter for COVID. So we said, okay, we'll take it and we're going to relocate in the springtime. But the news is that this week and this week only, you have till Sunday. Sunday would be the, it's like 27th, Sunday the 27th, we are shutting the doors, but up until then, everything is 50% off, okay, 50% off everything in store, come and get it, 418 Queen Street West before we shut the doors and relocate for spring, okay, and I just want to say, shout out to Toronto for supporting us for almost 10 years in that location, super stoked, Um, we love that shop, you know, it was a great experience there, and we're coming back better. We're coming back stronger, and thank you for all the years of support. Go shop the sale, and we'll see you in the spring. That's it for the news. Let's get into it. The Snapback Chronicles. Jess, how'd it start? So, um, okay. So around 2005, you know, I had been in the vintage business for about six years at that time, independently. If you know anything about us and our family, our dad was in the business from 67. You know, Drew and I worked for him and I worked for him in the summers and when I was out of school and that, um, but independently, I got into it around 99, 2000. So I was picking, wholesaling, doing eBay and so forth. Through my, you know, picking all the time and sorting clothing every day, I started to pick out bits that I like. I grew up in the 90s. You know, I was a teenager through the 90s, um, into my 20s and the late 90s. And... I gravitated towards the stuff that I grew up with, right? So I had a little vintage streetwear collections. At this point, 2005, like nobody really was touching vintage streetwear. It wasn't even a thing. It wasn't on the radar. Um, Nobody was looking for it and nobody really valued it, so to speak. Uh, But I did because I grew up with it. So when I saw a really dope starter jacket, I was like, yeah. Um, so I, and that's so funny. I just had a weird thought. So you look at the kids now who are into what they're into. And then we used to get fucked with by the OG vintage heads 
in those in that era, this is like even this is probably like when I first really got into it, making money. We see it fucked with by the shit that we liked by them back in that day. And now the old heads are making fun of the new kids who are into what they're into, which is all the Disney and shit, whatever. But there was a time when we were the we were the young kids. We were the young kids that the old heads are fucking chonking on. So yeah, totally, Sean. I see. <laughs> um, yeah, I distinctly remember that though, Drew. I remember going to the bowl, like in the early early days, and wearing like you know vintage streetwear, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, and like. Guys coming up. I even remember Kelly Cole coming up and going like, yo, 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 what's up, yo? <laughs> totally. It's like, dude, what the fuck, man? Just wearing what I like, you know? But anyways, I love you, Kelly. Um, but yeah, so I amassed this like, you know, collection of vintage streetwear because it was shit that I gravitate towards. Like I, I remember distinctly getting my first starter jacket when I was a teenager. I was probably 14 or 15 years old. Me, Neil Cooper, Todd McMillan going over to the outlet mall on military road in Niagara Falls across the river. And his Neil's mom brought us there that she did her shopping and shit. And we all bought NBA starter jackets. The what teams? I, I think mine was a Houston Rockets. That, like that, like Bealy blue one. No, uh, red, red and yellow Houston okay. rock. Okay. Um, oh yeah. I'm thinking Oilers. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. You're thinking NFL, but yeah, <laughs> Rockets, NBA. I can't remember. We all got different ones, and I okay. remember, you know. And then even before that, I remember you and I got Patrick Ewing shoes. Next, fuck yeah, Sneakers. purple, purple suede, purple suede. You had like a gray and purple suede. I think I had like a a black and purple, if I remember correctly. And I remember. Going to Stitches, which I don't know if they had Stitches in, in the States, but they had that, that was a big, like, uh, small store in Canada that kind of sold, like, hip-hop clothing. So they had cross colors. They had used. They had all those weird kind of fringe, Dude, like, denim brands and all that. I remember kind of- those shoes were so fucking big. Chunk. I remember going to school and being like, yo, check out my fresh kicks. They were so yeah, They had the fluffiest tongues. Like, oh, those dude. would have been thick skate shoes back in the day, to be honest. Um, but I remember getting those shoes, and I remember going to the Penn Center, which is a mall in St. Catharines, Ontario, where we, near where we grew up, and going to Stitches, and I got a used jean short set. So it was like a short sleeve button-up with the matching jean shorts, and they matched my sneakers. And I remember going to Niagara District, our high school, and kids there were like, wigger. Wigger, and I was like, I maybe probably wore that outfit like a couple times, and I was like, no, oh, I can't, I so can't. yo, yeah, that's our town. Uh, we went to high school in Virgil, Ontario, which is like literally the, our high school is smack dab in the middle of like orchards, man, surrounded by farmers. So it was the country. It was total the country. Stick. We were urban because we were born in Toronto. Our dad always had stores in Toronto and Buffalo. So we were always surrounded by urban culture. Uh, our parents, you know, put us around a lot of different people uh, of, you know, different cultural backgrounds, different like ethnic backgrounds, um, different, you know, sexual orientations. Like our dad employed people that were punk rockers, mods, fringe culture shit back then, you know, just people that were yeah. counterculture. Still, you gotta understand that was out of place. You, <laughs> it was out of place. But the thing is, at the time, I was still hanging out with like um, Benji and these and his uh, Benjamin McCall and his two uh, buddies that were twins. I think they were Jeremy and Jordan, and they were all rocking that stuff. And I was like, "This is this is the shit," you know. This is dope. And, and to be honest, like. To be honest, the skaters kind of wore it too because I remember that store, uh, Stitches. Was was that brand used Canadian? Do you, you know? Oh, it was an American brand. But I feel like that store had so much of that used stuff. It had a bit of everything else, but like it had a lot of used. So that's yeah, kind of what everybody bought. It had a lot bought. of cross colors. It had a lot of cross colors too. Um, but the skaters, like we would go to buy big shorts because that era, like 92 big pants, small wheels. Like, shorts. You want fucking big ass baggy shorts, you get your skate tee from like, the, you know, Sud Skates down at St. Catharines again. 
And then you'd go get your shorts or stitches. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, like, you know, that was kind of the shit that I grew up with. That's what I gravitate towards. So fast forward into like 2000, early 2000s, I'm out ragging every day, picking Western shirts and polyester disco shirts for, you know, the alley in Chicago or Jive Monkey or all these different wholesale customers that I had in the States. But I would come across cool bits, you know, I'd come across, oh, wow, I'm picking vintage. She's like, a Run DMC t-shirt? Boom, that's me all day. You know, an LL Cool J t-shirt? That's me all day because I grew up listening to that, you know, like, I, again, like, just going back to our childhood, like, I remember, like, when mom and dad bought me, uh, what is it, Walking with the Panther, like the LL Cool J album. I remember driving to fucking Florida to visit grandma and grandpa, and mom and dad I somehow got them to buy me the two live crew, one of the two live crew albums and listening to it on my Walkman in the back of the minivan and thinking how badass I am because it was like pop that pussy or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, in your headphones and no one can hear. No one That's could so hear me. It was just like it was like Gavin. Yeah, I so- remember um, I remember going to Ellicottville. That's where we used to go ski. Yeah, and I had the Cypress Hill album. And it was uh, the hits from the Bong tune. Oh yeah, I remember bumping that on the way to Ellicottville. Like I have a distinct, I think it was snowing out. I have like a distinct memory. Yeah, man, I have those memories too. So, anyways, you know that was what I grew up with. So, I was collecting that shit before it was like a thing. And yeah, basically that like the t-shirts always had value. Jap- J- Japanese guys would buy those like Run DMC tees and Beast. Yeah, Boys they would, toys. but at the time they bought for fifty bucks. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of money, but. Like the cross colors and the U's and all that shit basically had no value. Oh, starter jackets, no value. No value. Like the majority of that stuff didn't have value at the yeah, time. Yeah, totally. Um, even Polo and Tommy, when I first started, no one was picking it. Or people were picking it just for the fact that it was Ralph Lauren, but they had no distinction between like what was a great sweatshirt or what wasn't yeah. what was regular. And we'll talk about more of that. Some of my interesting picks and finds from other rag dealers and wholesalers that just had no clue. Not like I'm getting one over, but they just didn't have any idea. They didn't know. Well, we were getting one over. You were getting one over. Knowledge is power in this Knowledge is power. And I said this on a previous one. Feynman one time got a 3D emblem hog tee from us at the Rose Bowl for probably 30 bucks because this was, he was t-shirt nerding out before we were t-shirt nerding out and he came the fuck up just like we did on a lot of people. Yeah, and I'd like to just to use this opportunity to talk about one time when we got a uh, <laughs> incredible Schwinard tea off of Nils from Varsity in Los Angeles for five bucks out of the five dollar bid. Although and we will to this day, he'll deny it to this day, yeah. but we did, and we'll continue to tell this story on hundreds of podcasts to come in the future. And I love you, Nils, and I love you, guys. <laughs> love you guys, love big up Varsity. Yeah, but yeah. anyways, yeah, so. Fast forward, I was collecting that stuff and I was doing a lot of, um, I was wholesaling at the time. This is way before we had any brick and mortar stores. I was wholesaling. I was doing eBay. I had Snap, which was the predecessor to Frankie. Of course. So which, which year did you start Snap? Snap was probably started in 2004, 2005, around this time. Yeah. So that just goes to show you guys, we're 15 year, 15 plus years deep in reworking clothing, cutting up old shit and making new shit out of it. Shout out Janine from uh, Coal Miner's Daughter. Before she had her store as Coal Miner's Daughter, she worked for me picking. Um, before that, she worked for Chris at the Patch picking, and then she left and I hired her. And she gave me the idea for Snap because she bought a bunch of used t-shirts off me on the cheap that were just fucked up. And she came into work one day to pick with this really cool reworked shirt she made at home out of those t-shirts. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Can you do more? Yeah. Okay, great. Here's a huge bag of shirts. Fucking make a ton. And anyway, so, so I was back to the snapback story. Let's go. I was wholesaling. I was doing eBay and I was doing events. So I would do any cool big event. You know, back then we had the Toronto Vintage Clothing Show, which was huge at the CNE. Um, that was twice a year. And then I was doing any kind of events that I could. I was doing, I was going to universities and colleges, setting up at Frosh Week in the 
the hub, you know, the student center and selling. And then I was doing uh, big concert events. So I did this one on Toronto Island called Virgin Fest that was put on by Virgin, you know, that huge company, Virgin, like Virgin Mobile. Virgin Mobile, Virgin Airlines, Airlines whatever, yeah. Chris Branson, whatever, Richard Branson, right? Huge concert thing. It was like a festival, like a three-night thing on Toronto Island. So I set up. I had this guy, Richard Zahumensky, working for me. Awesome guy. And uh, we did this festival. And one of the days I was wearing, like, my Run DMC shirt and a troop jacket and my vintage streetwear shit, right? And this young guy comes up, this guy, Josh, that Richard knew. And he was like, oh, you should meet my friend, Josh. And uh, I met this guy, Josh. We got to chatting and he was super into hip hop and he was all decked out to the nines and like his gear and that. And uh, he was working for some denim company at the time and wanted out. So I gave him a job. He really was interested in vintage. So I gave him a job picking and doing eBay. and. You know, between the two of us, we kind of came up with this idea of doing something bigger with the vintage streetwear thing. So I set up this thing called um, Hoboken and Haberdashery, which maybe some of you guys remember from eBay back in the day. And we did an eBay account. And then we did uh, my friend Ann and Sandro, who had a few stores here in toronto at the time they i think they still have a store called lavish and squalor but they also had another store i think called odyssey and one called white lodge and they were closing white lodge so they because i was wholesaling them on like weekly she propositioned me and said hey listen do you want to take white lodge because i'm shutting it down i'm just going to empty it and i basically it's going to be empty for a couple weeks would you be interested in taking it for like very cheap and I said, you know, sure. This is like so, pre, this is way pre pop-up culture too. This is, this is like a pop-up before pop-ups were a thing. That's right. So we were like, great. So we took it. We did this great pop-up and it was killer. We, we got like, you know, there was like magazines or, and like or media that came down, like newspapers or whatever, and did like, you know, kind of documented it. Anybody that was anybody in vintage in Toronto, which there's a ton of people at the time, came down to check it out and it caught a lot of attention. Other people that like even urban guys that were in urban fashion came down because at this time, imagine like we had a whole display of vintage Jordan. Yeah, that's what I remember. I, I actually was there. I don't know why I was in Toronto. I don't think I came just for that event, but I came to Toronto. Maybe we were going up to Algonquin or some shit like that month or I don't know where we were going. Could have been, yeah. But I came spring, and I got to go to that party. Summer. It was so, what? It was in the spring summer. So yeah. it's likely that we were doing something like that. Um, but we had like a whole Jordan display. We had like a whole big head Salem t-shirt section. We had like a section of troop jackets. We had a whole Nike section. Um, it was kind of before rap tea. So we didn't like have a rap tea section, although we probably had a few there. But it was really cool. We had like every starter jacket. It was just something that nobody had seen. Like, Nobody had seen it before. Um, so then, on the heels of that, Damon Green. So was there snapbacks at this event? Maybe a few, but if there were, they were used. Okay, so this is before the first ever snapback dig. There might have been, yeah, this is before the first snapback dig. There might have been a couple hats there. There may have even been a few dead stock hats there, but they weren't from a dig, so to speak. Um, and it wasn't really on our radar yet. It was just an accessory, like a point of sale item. Yeah. Let's have something there that's cheaper that someone that comes in with 20 bucks or 30 bucks can buy. Because um, a lot what of What are we talking for prices on stuff back then? Do you remember? To be honest, we were shooting for the moon because we knew that we were setting the precedent. It was kind of like, no one's done this. So... Let's shoot for the moon, but let's also price not price ourselves out completely. So it was scaled to the rarity of items. Like the vintage Jordan stuff was, you know, it, it wasn't probably priced to, to what it is now, obviously. Yeah, but. but I mean, that stuff too, also Japan was buying 
all the way back to like the 90s. So that still also had value pre like the urban boom, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, and then what about starter jackets? Did you have starter jackets there at that White Lodge? Yeah, we did big time. But this is like we weren't even we weren't even touching pullovers at this time. This was yeah, all was, yeah, satin, probably. snap up, like proper starter jackets. Um, you know, we were probably in the seventy-five to hundred-dollar range on those, and it was successful. But we didn't care to sell out. I think that was the thing. It wasn't like. We didn't, it wasn't our business model. It was like an aside, you know, yeah. it was like a, a seg. It was like a sidebar to everything else we were doing. Like, cause we had eBay running, we had wholesale, we had all these events we were doing. So it was like, this is just a passion project. And, and the other thing too, is that back in that beginning, you couldn't really go buy it off dealers because nobody was even picking it until no, we... Until we showed like that we were buying it, it didn't become a thing to pick for the other old head dealers because they were like, this isn't, this is too new of a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So you had to pick it yourself, most, essentially. Most of it came from picking, like our own picking operation. Yeah. Um, so we did that event. Damon Green, uh, another Toronto native who now lives in New York, I believe. Uh, Jewish guy, shout out Damon. He had the first urban store, real urban store in Toronto called Lounge. Um, so they were the first account that had like, you know, all those original urban brands. Um, Carl Kanai and Nietzsche, uh, Sean John, you know, all the original, original urban brands. And then obviously progressed and had like the, the newer stuff and fringe brands and things like that. Um, but he was the original hip hop store in Toronto, uh, just off Queen, like right by City TV, right by Speaker's Corner. He came by and was like, "This is awesome." At the time, I think he was living half in New York, half in Toronto, and he had started to also be a. Uh, he was doing, like, he was a sales rep for a lot of these urban brands at the time. He had segued his store over into a bigger position, repping these brands. Yeah. And he said, look, guys, like I'm, I have a spot in New York. I have an office in New York. It's a great space. It's a gallery space. I think it was on Prince street in uh, the lower East side in Manhattan. And he was like, he he called me one day and he's like, look, I want to take you out to lunch. We went out to lunch. He hit me with this idea of doing this pop-up in New York. I want to do this big pop-up with you guys, all vintage. Obviously, I was like, great, I'm sold. Like, done deal. Let's do it. Is this Damon that later turned to Community 69 or what was it called? Um, Community 54? Yeah, you're right. Um, Community 54. What did you say? His store was called Lounge before? His original store was Lounge, yeah. Okay. Okay. Then he opened Community 54 later, like after our pop-up. I'll get to it. So... Yeah, so he says, look, I wanted this big pop-up. It was a commission deal. I'll get the space. I'll get the staffing. Just give me a cut. I'll promote it. I'll get media there. You know, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, great. So this guy Josh and I start collecting for it. We start putting all these great things together. You know, we have a... So anyways, we, we, we get it ready. We're looking at everything. We're getting all the stock together. And we're realizing we have killer shit, but we don't have any point of sale items. We don't have any stuff that's like $20, $30, $40. There's not a lot because it's so top notch. Like we had every Adidas Olympic sweat, Adidas Run DMC sweats, all of them. We had a killer Ralph Lauren section, vintage, like Indian head knits, like rugby, you know, like the graphic rugby's, all that kind of shit. Um, starter jackets. Like really, really good. Like we we like really primed for this for this event. Yeah. And so I was like, "Fuck, we need point of sale items." So I went on eBay and started buying snap dead stock snapbacks on eBay. And at the time, there was a few essential sellers that you could buy from for cheap. There was this one. Shout out Corby and the gang in Florida. I'm, no, I'm sure you guys know this person, Pop Moons. 
that was his handle on eBay. It was called Pop Moons. And this, is, be, this might even be before Corby because he said he didn't even start it start in until 2008. No shit. Okay, yeah, so 2009. So, anyways, this guy Pop Moons on eBay was somewhere in like central Florida, and he would sell a dozen snapbacks of one team. So you could get like, say, for instance, Milwaukee Bucks, but you get a dozen. Drew, can you can you get me? Yeah, I'm hearing you. Okay, because it just said my thing was unstable. So you get a dozen Milwaukee Bucks hats, but they're all different. Yeah, so rad. So there could be like a starter one, a sports specialty one, uh, you know. Logo 7. Logo 7, uh, like, you know, all the different ones, right? Like, and you just get a dozen random from that team for like 100 bucks. Or even less, it might have been. Like it was, no, I think it was 48 bucks originally. Three bucks a hat. Oh, no. Yeah, no, four bucks a hat. Four bucks a hat. Yeah. So if you're able to pick your team, that's fucking, that's a gem. Yeah, you're able to pick your team. So I was like picking like a lot of NBA teams, a few NFL teams, obviously New York teams, like Yankees and things like that. And I bought like, I don't know, 20 dozen. And it was like, okay, well, great. We have all these we can merchandise with. You know, we can put them out. They're cheap. It was the first thing to fucking sell, dude. Really? They fucking blew out. That's so and That sick. was when I knew. It was like, boom, this is something. This is big. I mean, a lot of shit happened at an event. That was a killer event. Um, but give us the rundown. Like, what neighborhood was this? Like, who came to this event? This was in the Lower East Side, man, Manhattan. This was in, like, the prime, prime location at the time. Um, it was right on Prince Street. It was, like, close to the RRL store. It was a cool, cool area. Um, was it, like, packed out? You had a party so to open up? We had a big party to open up. Um, at the time, I didn't know Corey Shapiro from Vintage Frames, but Damon did. And Damon got Corey on the event. So it was me, this guy Josh who worked for me at the time, and Corey Shapiro. That's the introduction to crazy motherfucking Corey. Crazy Corey. So that's <laughs> when I met Corey. And that was, I mean, that was awesome in itself because we just hit it off right off the bat. Um, but like tons of people came down, man. Like Cassie, um, tons of stylists. I think there was like some NBA players that came down. Um, definitely celebrities were there. It was hard to keep track because there's so many, it was a big space. There's so many people. My ex-girlfriend was there working the cat. And then like, wasn't that the era when were they called the retro kids or like that, a few groups of kids that were like, retro into kids this? were there. That's where yeah. we met them. So explain those guys. What's, what's what was their deal? They were just like kind of a crew of like guys that were into dressing retro and they were dancers and they would show up at parties and like, you know, do the old school kid and play dancing. And um, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a gimmick, but it was kind of gimmicky. Like they were into the gear and that, but they weren't that old. So they weren't, they didn't grow up in it. You know, they were kind of just like, they knew it from me. Yeah, they were like, like, they were like the first generation of these kids to kind of get into it before like mainstream kids were into the snapback game. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it was a killer event, man. Tons of people came out. We ran it for three days. Like the Friday night, I think, was the party. And the Saturday and the Sunday, if I remember correctly. A um, bunch of people from Toronto came down for it. And yeah, man, we killed. We did, we did killer. And I mean... So this, so is, when, this is when it's like the light bulb fucking's going off. Second yeah, so event right the in bat, the book. Bunch of things, okay? So right off the bat, I knew, okay, snapbacks is a thing. This is huge. Um, B, we met some kids there that were, like, dressed in... They were young guys. They were, like, teenagers, like, 18. I mean, this is, like, 2005, 2006, so I was 28, okay? 27, 28. But these kids were, like, teenagers, and they came with, like, Reebok pumps, like, fresh. A, I knew that, boom, snapbacks are a thing. They blow up, right? B, 
met these kids there, teenagers at the time. They're wearing like fresh gear, like fresh gear. Um, all 90s stuff, even a bit of late 80s stuff, and sneakers, you know, like Reebok pumps before they retroed them. And I'm like, where did, where did you guys get these? And they were super cool kids. And they were like, yo, we know this spot in Brooklyn. So they put us on to this crazy dig. And then C, we were, when we were there, we were just like cruising Canal Street, like in the morning before the pop-up opened, because it opened at like noon or something like that, or 11, to cruise Canal Street. And there was a few vendors out there just with tables on the street selling snapbacks. And I was like, shit, this is a fucking thing, man. This is a thing. Like, this is going to be big. So that's crazy. Did you, do you remember what the prices were on Canal Street back then? Did you buy any? 10 bucks. Nice. You know, so I was buying them off Canal Street even at the time. But, but I wasn't buying a lot because I, I was still kind of like sussing it out, like trying to figure it out. Um, so after that pop up, we ended up staying an extra day or two. And me and Corey and Josh went to this dig, which was called SNA Shoes in Brooklyn. Um, old Jewish guy on the spot. And it was a three story built basement. And the actual store was only on the main floor. So the two stories above were all warehouse stock rooms and the basement was stock room. So we went and it was like, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. I wish I could go back to that, which is funny because we did go back to that. Yeah. Years I went later. with you the second time when we were there for inspiration. Well, that would have been my third or fourth time, but yeah. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Because you've gotten there. You probably, yeah. You went there so many times because you could just drive there from Toronto. Yeah, and I did. I did do that a few times. Um, so walk I, us through this first dig, like right in. So obviously, this is 2005 still, 2006 yeah, maybe. 2005, 2006. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, and you know, obviously, this guy, he's an old guy. He's like probably in his like 70s at this point, right? At least. Yeah. And he has. He's on- not really even running the show, to be honest with you. He's got this. Um, I think it was a Puerto Rican cat that was like running the store. He was there. I think his name was Ralphie, to be honest with you. And, and this guy, what, this guy owned the building, right? Because he told us that when we went back to. Yeah, he owned you know, the building. He owned the and, building. Which is another thing about digging dead stock. It's like that's you don't need when you don't have to pay fucking rent. You don't got to worry about turning a lot of product. So exactly. people can sit on dead stock forever, but. Um, Tell us, the, like, when you walked in, like, what was the scene? What was on the shelves? Like, what did this look like? Well, when we walked in, it was kind of like the, the store. Yeah, like, there's fixturing and, like, um, merchandising pieces that you could tell were old. But there wasn't, like, tons of old shit on the floor. It was actually mostly shoes. It was SNA shoes. So they had, like, Timberlands. They had, like, modern, like, Nikes, you know, like, close out Nikes and Adidas and shit like that. And they had accessories in these glass cases. There wasn't much clothes at all. Would you have known? I guess this is your first dig. So we probably at this point didn't even really know what to look for in a dig, but I would have, I probably would have investigated for sure. Yeah. Um, Because just because of the layout and the, the age of it, you could tell it was old, but you wouldn't like, if you were just like at any Joe blow, you wouldn't have any idea what was in store. If you just walked in off the street yeah. and these kids, these kids kind of put us on. They were like, yo, this place has a lot of shit. They have old stuff. Like they have old shoes and right, right. And these kids so are with you. Like, they actually took you there or did they, they tell you where to go? There. And we, we, we kind of deal with them. It was like, we'll give you whatever we spend. We'll give you 10% of that as a commission. Right. So if we spend, we'll give you 500 bucks. And they were all for it. They were cool. They were young guys. Yeah. They were probably just going there here and there to buy shit to wear, not to resell. Absolutely. Buy their friend shit, whatever. Resell was like even a thing. You know what I mean? Like they were just going there and they they were like, 
they weren't even hesitant. They were super open. They were super good kids. I wish I knew their names to shout them out, but it's just so long ago. I, I don't know. If you're listening to this podcast by any oh, chance, you got to let us know. Yeah, let us know. Um, so, yeah, so we get there, kind of shoot the breeze with the guys, and they're like, yeah, come into the stock room. So we go downstairs, all sneakers. There was, like, I still have shoes from there, like limited escape Nike hiking boots that are, like, mad, like crazy shit, dude. Like original orange box Nikes, original Adidas. We're talking, like, 80s stuff, 80s in 2005. Uh, tons of nineties. So the whole basement was shoes with a yeah. little bit of clothing. And to be honest, like, I mean, I know your sneaker knowledge ain't that deep. Josh probably had more sneaker knowledge, but probably still not even enough to like, know what's the real killers. He had pretty good sneaker knowledge. I mean, to be honest, he, he was pretty deep in the sneaker game. At was there point. like, do you remember like some killers coming out of there for sneakers? Cause there's certain there like Jordans and stuff like that, but there was definitely like weird limited things and like, yeah, we, we bought a fair bit of sneakers, but we were mostly in the clothing business. So it wasn't like we weren't like shooting for a lot of shoes. At the time. Yeah. Um, plus, we were working off limited resources, right? Like if I had the money I have today, I would have bought the whole store straight yeah. up. And it's, you probably only had the money in your pocket from that event that you just that's a, made. Well, that, that's the next thing I was going to say. I pretty much spent everything I made. You know, maybe save for like a couple grand, like gas money to get home, <laughs> gas money, and maybe my rent for the next month. Yeah. Um, I pretty much spent everything I made. Fucking double that. down, double down. That's it. So then, the second floor and the third floor were all clothing, and uh, Corey Vintage Frames was with us, and it was just racks of shit, like racks. And I was trying to like. Obviously, like you're looking at so much stuff that you're like, I only have this much money. What, like, I want to buy like the things that I feel like are worth the most. What's the best shit to buy? What's worth the most value? Easiest to sell. Easiest to sell, right? So Corey immediately goes for like, there's like a hundred Christian Dior tracksuits, like 80s. Corey goes and like fucking blocks. He's like, this is me. This is what I want. This is what I want. And he was a better, I mean, he, to this day, he's a better negotiator than I am. He, he is just fucking hardcore, man. He, he got all those for cheap. And we got like starter jackets in the bags, satin snap up starter jackets. We got troop shit. We got Adidas stuff like, um, Olympics leather jackets, Adidas leather jackets. I remember we got the Kung Fu Adidas leather jacket. Um, yeah, that's sick. And it's and something to note too is when you're looking at this time period, this is 2006. So 96 is still only 10 years beyond that. So a lot of the early urban shit that like you started getting into was 80s, mid to late 80s, mid to late 80s into like early 90s, early 90s. But yeah, even when it became late 90s, a lot of that shit was past still at that. Which is funny because when we went there. We, you and me and Daniel went there after we did Inspiration the, uh, New York. Inspiration New York. Yeah. Inspiration Brooklyn. Yeah. And he still had tons of champion stuff, tons of guest stuff, um, which was all stuff at the time that I was like, I'm not touching this. Yeah. You know, those brands like, weren't, those brands weren't hitting. That, that was like, those brands went, it's kind of when it became, like this norm core retro thing going on a bit. Absolutely. Like the loud so, retro. It's funny because when we went back, all that stuff that I had passed on or a lot of it was still sitting there, you know, and guaranteed hundreds of other people had been through there too. Oh, tons, you know, shout out tags and threads. He knows about that spot. He was, he'd been going through there. A lot of people have been going through there. I mean, one another thing that we bought out of there on the initial dig or maybe the second dig, cause I went back a few times was um, champion reverse weave color block sweats. Where, oh, like, yeah, those are sick. The sleeve was different. The ribbing was different. The body was different. The yeah. back was different. The side. So I wish I had a good different. one of those. Dude, we got so many of those. Like, we got a whole box of those dead stuff. 
Yeah, and that's that trip when I went, whatever it was, the third or fourth time was when we just had started Frankie and we were get, selling women's. So we had the ability to take some of that other shit that we wouldn't have even been able to sell on Frank because the guys exactly. weren't buying. Exactly. So, so that dig was incredible, but we didn't get many hats out of there. I did get hats out of there on a, a subsequent trip later, um, bull script hats, but the hats weren't out. The hats were tucked in a weird, like, crawl space. God damn. So I didn't even know about the hats initially. And to be completely honest, when I saw the plethora of clothing spanning so many brands and so many generations, I was kind of like a deer in the headlights. I was like, I don't care about hats. I want, like, all these Adidas Olympic sweats. I want all this champion reverse weave. I want all these like leather jackets and this troop stuff and like all this like bizarre weirdo shit that was like really obscure. Yeah. Um, so that's you gotta I, like, you gotta think I, 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 you know, see this is a fucking huge place. Like the store itself would have been like 5,000 square feet. So each floor was like 5,000 square feet, probably or 4,000 square feet. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Like it's a big ass building. So a, a basement full of boxes stacked up. Or, or the second floor was racked, right? Was the clothing racked? The second, second floor, floor like- the second floor was racked, except for the back side, which was boxed in shelves. Yeah. And there was and a weird like, closet. And it's like, like, but it's like warehouse racked, like tightly fucking packed in racks, 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 racks. Yeah. But still, it's like you'd never get through it, and you're never going to find up, like random the, crawl space. The top floor, the third floor, was open with shelving all around the walls, but it was just boxes in the middle. So we were going through boxes and it was like, we didn't even have enough time. Like you'd have to take a week to go through everything. We did it in one day and just, I spent my wad. I blew my whole wad in one day, just like going through it, you know? Um, So, I mean, that was an incredible day. And I went back there numerous times and I got tons and tons of killer shit out of there. And, you know, it was incredible. Um, But that wasn't, a ton of snapbacks. So we're talking about snapbacks. Let's get back to the snapback. Okay, let's get on it. I learned from that trip that snapbacks were a thing. I just knew that they're easily sellable. People are, will buy them. They're, they're, the price point, it works. You know, if you're in the price point the- works. Their snapback sizing is not an issue. Sizing is not an issue. You know, we've learned over the years in the vintage game that people are fucking diehard for their team. You know, mm-hmm. like that's like such a good commodity to be in as sports because, like, if you're into a team, you're going to buy that shit up. Um, easy to easy to stock, easy to ship. You don't like you you can buy it online, and this is when buying on. Well, I guess this wasn't even when we were selling them online yet, but also it became a thing online because it was. Um, it didn't have that bear. You didn't need to fucking try it on. See how it looked on your ass. It's a hat. That's right. You buy it sight unseen. So it's, it's a wicked item to get into. So tell yeah. us the next, the next phase. Well, I, I did try to proposition some of the guys on canal street. Um, tell me where you got them. Well, yeah, I was like, look, you know, like, let me, I'll give you a bunch of money. If you tell me where you got, no, everyone stonewalled me. It was like, no, no. So, so there's, like a, there's like a bunch of dudes out there with tables selling hat. Okay. There was at least a few, like there was at least three or four guys out there selling hats on Canal. And, you know, they were all getting them from like some big fucking closeout warehouse in Jersey or somewhere in one of the boroughs. Um, but nobody would give it to me. So I was like, okay, well, fuck. I still had pop moons and I knew I could get them off of for four bucks a hat if I bought them by the dozen. So I did do that for a bit. Like I was, I, when I got back, I like immediately bought a bunch of them. Did you ever talk to Pop Moons like deeper or was it always just like over? I tried to, but you could only message them on eBay. And he never, they never gave you the phone number, nothing. No, he was just always very standoffish. Who the Um, hell was Pop Moons? If anybody knows this guy or knows, knows what his whereabouts now, we want to talk to Pop Moons. Yeah, we want to talk about Moons. He had some crazy source for like some warehouse in Florida for sure. Um, so yeah, anyways, so I knew that there was a big thing, right? So then what happened was Josh got hired by 
Jeremy. Josh got hired by Jeremy. Yeah, this is like years later, though, no? No, this is like 2007. Yeah, so and still on the But we did a bit of, so hold on. In between that time, we did a bit of digging here in Canada. We found some snapbacks. Corey found some snapbacks. Like, you know, we were we were getting hats. We were finding some on eBay where like you buy like a lot, right? Like a uh, hundred or a case, like one forty four, twelve dozen. So we found hats like in the meantime, but we're also like just you know business as usual. You got to eBay. Plus, to were you were you selling hats? After this event, what was the next like? Well, that was the thing. I didn't really have much of an outlet for it, right? Yeah. So it was like, so I think we put some on our eBay, but it wasn't like a big thing yet. Yeah, selling here and there, kind of kids selling here and there. But I knew it was going to be a big thing. I knew there was like, if I could find them, I can like kill with these. So then, Josh got hired by Jeremy and Ann Still. I, I think. Um, Kirk was probably no Kirk wasn't I don't think Kirk was his partner. Kirk wasn't. Point. Kirk also yeah. probably got paid to consult a bit or something. Something like Any. that. Yeah, I don't know. So, so Josh somehow I think probably Jeremy um and that's Kirk for all to envy. Yeah. Shout, shout out Kirk. Kirk. I, I ne- we never OG. mentioned we never mentioned Kirk on the show but he's a fucking Kirk, true. OG. OG. Kirk OG, one of the truest OGs in the game. Yeah, if you want to hear Kirk's story, send him a message and tell him to get on my podcast. Yeah, big time. So I I think Jeremy messaged our eBay account, Hoboken and Haberdashery, hired Josh ultimately to come out and consult for him on his new store that he was going to open called Ann Still. And Jeremy... I believe Jeremy had found some hat store out like by Encino or somewhere like towards Ventura. You know, if you're on like the Ventura freeway, like somewhere out to like past North Hollywood, like on the way. Yeah. It's like deep in the Valley or whatever. Deep in the Valley. Right. So Josh went and did his little like consulting thing for a few, like for a weekend, which basically is like, uh, and still was opening up, an urban street, an urban streetwear store in LA on Fairfax, on the yeah, right near like American Rag and stuff. And I don't even know how he got in the business, but he just needed help. He needed like guidance, and that might have been the first like vintage streetwear consultancy in history because it's uh, it's a very weird thing. We've never <laughs> we've probably done a little bit here very, and there, but very niche, yeah. So anyways, Josh comes back to Toronto. He, you know, he, he was like, yeah, we went to this uh, hat store somewhere deep in the valley. So I was out there like two weeks later for the bowl. And Daniel was with us. And I think you were like surfing or doing whatever you do. And I was like, I'm going to go check out this hat spot. So I went with Daniel and... It was crazy. It was like they had all the fitteds, like all the new shit, but then they had like all the clearance section. It was all snapbacks. And they were like on the store shelves for five bucks. And I think it was called like Hat World or Hats Etc. or some shit. It's closed down now. But it was the the owner's daughter who was working there. And, you know, I went in and I was like, boom, you know fucking kid in a candy store but hold it down so you don't like get wide eyes and she gets wind of it <laughs> and uh you know looking around poking around can i help you yeah just looking and then i told her like you know look like i'm interested in buying a lot of hats you know what would be the price if i buy a hundred or a thousand and so she she's like hold on so she calls her dad and the dad says three bucks. So I was like, great, let's do it. And she's like, oh, uh, by the way, we have a container out back, a 20 foot container full of hats as well as our like, stock room storage. Um, so we fucking filled the minivan. Me and Daniel, we filled the minivan. And I bought, I don't know, I bought. I don't know, maybe a thousand hats. Probably spent a few grand. 
But yeah, a- I remember hearing the story. I remember, I remember coming back to the hotel and you guys were taking pictures of landlord on the bed with the hats, and it was like hype, hype, hype. Remember what you found from that dig? Like what certain hats? Like can you remember yeah, when she opened that container? Well, I remember um, there was a lot of starter, and historically, like just putting this out there, I've never had a huge starter. I know Kirk and Jeremy have had big starter digs. I've never had one. I've had tons of sports specialties, Logo 7, you know, AJD or whatever the fuck it's called, like headwear, tons of all the other brands. Um, But I've never had a huge starter dig. But that dig, initially, I got a lot of starter hats. Um. I got a lot of great NBA hats. So this is early in the snapback game. So there wasn't any precedent. There, like, just to paint the picture, sports specialty scripts didn't go for any more money than a starter cap or a logo seven or a shark tooth or a shadow or whatever, you know, hats that are the names that people have for these different hats. They didn't, it was just snapbacks. Yeah. It hadn't got to that point where. And it also, I kind of mentioned this on another thing, but it like the classic logos almost did better than like the Shark Tooth Splash and 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 that shit because that 100%. shit was that shit was more like Cartoon Kitty. And then like you know, if you just had like a classic New York Yankees logo, that was like, ooh, that's a classic, you know, hundred percent. So like we would look for like, you know, you'd get the red brim black. Cap, Bulls, Bull. You know, even if it was a Logo 7 or an AJD or whatever, didn't matter. It was like, if you get, get find that cap, it's just like a statement, right? Because this is before, like, all the things started to break down into, like, the different values. And that, that so, took, like, development of the business and development of the community and the collectors to turn all those different things into, like, the different categories. Yeah, and also to, like, kind of give them, like, um, a bit of history, or give them a bit of like, like prominence, and then prominence. Exactly. Prominence. Also, also like, it, it gives them like it took more people and more people selling them to also start to realize like what was rare and what wasn't because there was nobody doing it on a level where you even knew what was rare at the point. Exactly, and also the people giving them prominence to say, "Oh, look, like Easy E was wearing this in this photo shoot, like." Look at this is what these guys used to wear. Yeah. You know, so that's cool. But it was before all that. And that also so, took like development of the internet to have that shit available as well. Because probably at a time you had to literally look at album covers or like go get source magazines and like really do your digging to see who actually was rocking it. Exactly. So, I mean, that's why we were just buying like cool logo hats, good colorways. Good teams, you know, and then starter because starter was something that like was just in my blood. It was like starter, you know, so I bought all the starter caps and then started picking out other team. And actually, that's a place I dug out numerous times as well. Um, but that that was that lasted, I remember, like maybe like a couple years and then it, and then that was dead. There was like yeah. a final buy out there and it was gone. Right. There was a final buyout when we did the container in the back and we dug everything out because it was piled, piled, piled. You couldn't even get to it. Like you had to empty it, right? So it was like, yeah, maybe maybe one or two years, maybe a couple years that until we got to the back and it was just like, this is done. And then they closed down. Um, not long after that, but this is the big part of that story. After that first time hitting that place, Hat World or Hat Etc. or whatever it was. Me and Daniel were so buzzing from that dig because that was our first big hat dig that I was just like, I'm not taking the highway back to Pasadena. I'm just, I'm like jazzed. I'm fucking high on the adrenaline of that buy that I was like, I'm just taking the back roads. It's just like fucking freestyle. You know, when you watch like American Pickers, they're like, we're going to freestyle. 
That's what I was doing. I was like, yo, yeah, I'm freestyling. Their, their freestyling is through like country roads looking for beat up cars and driveways. My freestyle is through the hood and through <laughs> fucking like some ghetto areas, like just some weird fucking areas where like you might find an old store that's like been around for fucking 20 years. It's just like the guy owns a building or he's making enough off the new shit that he's got so much old shit he doesn't know what to do with, right? You start freestyling. We stop at a couple swap meets, nothing. We stop at a sports store. We go in and it's like, it's a fairly like Latino, like Hispanic neighborhood. We go in and it's like all soccer. And uh, I was like, do you know any other sports stores? And they were like, the guy was like, I think there's one like down this, like down the street. Like if you go down like a couple kilometers, like, okay, cool. So I start driving down. And we pass this warehouse that's fucking huge. And it's got the starter logo painted on it, sports specialty logo painted on it, fucking logo seven painted on it. All the big brands, big, like, you know, sports brands painted on it. Big fucking white warehouse in North Hollywood. And it's got a little storefront in the front, but it's closed because it's like six o'clock on like a Friday evening or whatever. And it's like open till five or whatever, or Saturday evening. I think maybe even it was before the bowl. So it was either a Friday or a Saturday. And it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? This is crazy. It's crazy. Like, holy shit. Holy shit. So we're like looking in the window. It's like all gated up. Look in the window. Fuck, we have to come back here. So that would have been the night that like, we came back to the hotel. You probably came back from surfing and we have, we're like, pushing the luggage trolley in with all these like boxes of hats and we got like fucking hats everywhere in the room. We'll dig out some photos from that actually. Cause I have some photos from that somewhere. Yeah, send we'll, 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 we'll provide some like still pics for the snapback chronicles to like, kind of like timeline. We'll, 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 we'll slip them in. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I think we got to end it here, dude. We got to leave it on a cliffhanger for next episode, bro. Okay. going to leave it on a cliffhanger. <laughs> okay. So, Next episode, we're getting into that major the first crazy, mega dig. The first mega dig. The dig that really we fucking dug out a hundred times and led us to many more digs that we're gonna get into on the Chronicles. And then we're gonna get into talking about how we launched the website and all that good shit. What else are we gonna talk about on future episodes? We're gonna talk about other dealers in the snapback game, uh, different Places we flew to to dig out snapbacks, talk about the progression of like the snapback hierarchy, like starter sports specialty and the sub brands that came underneath it, the high point when things were hitting like crazy money on eBay. Um, Which they're getting back to now on certain things. Yo, who should we get on this Chronicles? Like, who do you see? Like the Boneyard guys? On this shit. Because Don was like, Don and Tizza were big on it. Like, they were like instrumental in like making this big as well. You know, um, we should get Don and Taz on this. Um, yeah, hit them up. Let's see if we can get them on here. Yeah, we, we should get Kirk on this for sure. Yeah. Who else was because so Kirk? Kirk was from Boston. Kirk had major success in New England before he moved to LA. Now he's in LA, and then he also was hitting some of the spots we were hitting in LA. But he had a lot of his own spots on the East before he even moved out. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, we'll get some heads on here. We'll get some collectors on here. We'll get all the stories, but that's a good first episode. The beginning. Next episode, the mega dig. Thanks, Brose. Let's do it. <laughs> Snapback culture. There it is. The first episode of the Snapback Chronicles in the bag. We hope you enjoyed it. Please, please subscribe. To the iTunes, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel because there's more episodes coming soon. Also, remember, F is in Frank Toronto, 418 Queen Street West is 50% off until we close this Sunday, reopening in the spring. As always, go check out F is in Frank Vintage. Com. Get 30% off with code VTG and stuff. That's down below. If you want to support me and support the content I'm putting out, check out my Patreon link down below. 
You know, I put out a lot of content. I put out a lot of info. I get hit up all the time by people who say they've learned so much from the content that I put out. I truly appreciate that. For the price of a cup of coffee a month, a fancy Starbucks coffee a month, you can support me and get tons of bonus footage, amazing bonus footage that I don't put on here. Check out the Patreon. And that's it. See you guys soon. Peace.